Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. Just really lock in for the next 25 minutes. I believe that tonight will be life-changing as an easy phrase to use. But I believe it in my heart that God tonight, as I said to you, there are some things He wants to stop and say, this is the end of that. And then there's some other things that He wants to begin. And at the end of my sharing tonight, I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to pray together and ask God to do something supernatural in your life and your world. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 says this, Now unto Him who is able. So many of us, when we get to any talk about capability, capacity, ability, giftings or talents, we look inside of ourselves to see what we're able to come up with. We look at maybe what the guidance officer said to us at school or the personality profiler or whatever, or the careers advisor or the personal development seminar we went to told us that we were capable of or what our capacity was. But Paul writes to this church And he says it like this, Now unto him who's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think according to the power that already is working in us. Because he's writing to believers and he's saying, you really don't know. This is what he tells the Ephesians church. You actually don't know who you really are. You're like the ugly duckling that never knew it was actually a beautiful swan. You don't know who you really are. That's why he starts off in Ephesians and it's the theme through the entire small book of Ephesians where he starts talking about, I pray you'll discover the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of what God says about you, about who you are in Christ, about what God's done. Because he says, it's one thing to believe that God in heaven could do anything. But he says, I want to tell you what God in you is able to do. Now unto Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. So tonight is not about starting with who we are or our past or our gifts or our weaknesses or even our strengths. But this verse tells us to think bigger and to dream bigger and to believe in what He is able to do. And so I want to give you a half a dozen things fairly quickly tonight and talk about people that grew beyond what was expected, grew beyond what their past would have indicated, grew beyond everything that they could have imagined. In other words, when we speak about grow, most of us tend to think of, well, I'm going to grow from here, from who I am. But I believe that these verses say you are capable of growing beyond everything that your parents ever dreamt for you. Everything they ever told you at school. You know, when I, when I had a, the only time in my life I had a careers advisor was came to our little tiny country town of 900 people. Somebody went through my, my scores at school thus far, saw that I was good at science and maths. And they said to me, you should be an engineer. Well, I went off to university two years later 
to study engineering, never having met an engineer in my entire life. Had no idea what engineers were capable of doing. But I went off to that because one person told me that was my fit. That was what I was capable of. No one ever said to me, you could travel the world. No one ever said to me, you could stand up in front of thousands. No one ever said to me anything like that because you see, they were only judging me according to what was written on a piece of paper. God sees not only your past, listen to me, He sees your future. And He sees it with a clarity none of us see. He sees what we can do. So here, if we're going to grow beyond, here's six things we've got to do. Number one, don't let your design become your limitations. Don't let your design become your limitation in life. In Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3, we read this about the man Moses. Most of us know the story. We think of Charlton Heston. Was that Moses in Cecil B. Mill? We think of this guy and, you know, I've watched the movie back in the day and Moses is portrayed as this fearsome, strong leader of courage. Well, let me read to you what God said about him. Numbers chapter 12 and verse 3. Now the man Moses was very humble or meek more than all men who were on the face of the earth. In other words, he was not the guy to speak up in the board meeting. He wasn't the guy to tell you about his latest exploits and what he'd done. This guy is very much a faceless one in the crowd. He's the guy that nobody picks. He's the one that no one goes, oh, he looks like a standard. He's most likely destined for success. That's him. He's a meek man. Hates conflict. Hates any kind of being an aggression, uh, being aggressive rather. That's not his style. It's not who he is. You know, the guy that follows him is a man called Joshua. Joshua steps into the shoes of the meekest man on the earth. Look what it says about Joshua in chapter 11 of that book named after him. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. That phrase, Joshua made war, appears about eight times in the book of Joshua. It's almost like this guy is a fighter from day one. Moses runs away from fights. Well, if you can spend 40 years on the backside of a desert because one bunch of people are accusing you, you probably are not a stand-up kind of guy. That's Moses. 40 years he goes and hides, running away. And even when God appears and talks to him from a burning bush, he says, God, you got the wrong man. I can't do it. And God finally in exasperation says, see your brother Aaron is coming. He'll be your mouthpiece. The funny part about it is, if you read the story of Moses, Moses gets into the anointing. He gets into the mantle of God. And Aaron stops speaking for him after about visit number two to Pharaoh. And Moses starts saying stuff. But why? Because there is something about the Holy Spirit fills your life. There's something about the Holy Spirit that transforms people from what they used to be and what they used to be capable of and what everybody thinks about them. And everything in their whole life thus far has told them is a limitation. All of a sudden you step into something beyond all that. There are people here in this room tonight and see people have said to you, well, you'll never, well, you probably can't. Well, don't even try that. That'll never work. And yet if the Holy Spirit 
puts you in a place, somehow or other, you can do things you never could do. You can say things you could never say. You can achieve things you never dreamt of achieving. These two guys tell me that my design, that Moses, he's just like, you're all different here in this place. Some of you here are just like Moses. You're meek. You're just the quiet little person who never causes trouble. You never speak up. And some of you here are Joshua's who just want to attack everything that's going on around about. You love a good kind of battle in your life. And that's the way you are. Both very different, but both of them were great leaders of Israel. I want you to understand that you're designed by God is never to limit you. Well, you know, I'm not an evangelist because everybody thinks evangelists are the big loudmouths. Well, I'm not prophetic because God never speaks to me. I just don't believe either of those two things. I think you can be greatly used by God in a variety of ways, irrespective of your personality. Listen, we run EFM here, Equipped for Ministry. It's been a big part of our church's success, I think, success, uh, in, in, I mean that in the best way. Uh, in the sense of 50% of our church is actively serving in some ministry or other. And you go, well, why is that? Well, EFM is a big part of the reason for that. But can I tell you that even in EFM, where we are, are helping people discover the way they're wired, never go to EFM and go out and go, well, that's that. I found out what I'm here to do. I found out because you have no idea. Joseph was a dreamer. Do you know anybody here know a dreamer? Anybody here know somebody who's a dreamer who just... They just seem to waft their way through life and they don't know what day it is. You know, no one knows anybody like that. Anybody know anyone like that? Huh? Well, uh, let me just ask if you know someone like that, would you pick them to be the administrator of an, the treasurer of the nation? Huh? You wouldn't elect them to that, would you? But there was a young man called Joseph. The Bible says he's a dreamer. He's just, oh, you know, wafts in and out. His brothers are working and he's lying down having a sleep so he can get another dream. It's a fact. You never read about Joseph working. The brothers are. They're out in the field. Joseph's at home admiring himself in the mirror and his coat of many colours. Woo, sharp. Woo. He's doing all that stuff. And yet God had something deposited within him. I want you to understand something. You really don't know what you're capable of in God. You only think you do. Even the best of us. Even the people that have been doing it a long while, we don't have a clue. Saul, who becomes the Apostle Paul, thought he was a great arguer against the things of, of, of Christianity. Went around putting people into jail. Never knew that God was going to put his hand on him on the road to Damascus. God's going to put his hand on him and turn him into the greatest church planner of the Christian faith that's ever walked the earth. Went into places so far away and so remote, but he went into there and saw God do extraordinary things. Miracle after miracle after miracle. One incredible thing. Don't let your design become your limitation in life. I hope you're hearing this. Number two, even though I'm going quickly, let them resonate, write them down, put notes on your phone, do whatever, get them somehow or other, or just go and get the podcast this week and uh, listen to that there. Second thing, don't let your past decide your future. The Paul I just spoke about a minute ago in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, he calls himself, listen to the way he self-describes. 
He says this about himself. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Not met too many people that go around standing up in a pulpit saying, you know what, I was the worst, the worst sinner there's ever been. I was the worst. No, you weren't the worst. I was the worst. No, I was the worst. This guy says, I'm the worst there's ever was. I wonder how it went for him sometimes, really, when he'd go to a church to preach and see some lady sitting there with a few little kids in the church and she's glowing and just seems to be basking in the presence of God and loving the worship. And he turns to the leaders of the church a bit later, the elders, and says, oh, I noticed that lady. Boy, she just looked like she's so in love with Jesus. And is she married? She have a husband? Oh, uh, uh. Well, uh, and they start dodging it and skating around it. And he goes, well, what do you mean? Is she married or isn't she? Well, she's a, a, a widow. Oh, what did her husband die of? Was it an accident? Was it sickness? What happened to him? Well, uh, uh, well uh, actually, Paul, we've just got to tell you, you had him killed when you persecuted the church. Can you imagine him standing up and saying, I was the chief of sinners, but now I'm the apostle of grace. Don't let your past decide your future for you. I said this morning, you know, the devil's been working pretty hard and he's been pretty good for a couple of thousand years. He's had a lot of practice at undermining Christians. I've met people who stopped coming to church because they said, I just don't feel like I'm worthy. Everybody else is. And every time I've heard someone say that, I always think that that's another one that just became captive. Pray to what he's saying. Have you sinned? Come anyway. I'm not making license for being bad, but I'm just saying I can't think of a better place to bring your brokenness than into the presence of God. I can't think of a better place for you to bring your struggles than into the presence of God. Are you struggling with something? Bring them here. And, and hopefully don't just... Bring them here and keep them private between you and Jesus. Seek out one of the leaders and say, can you help me? Can you pray? I have prayed with people and other staff have as well for every week for a year. Every week for a year. And I've got cards at home, letters at home from people saying, if you'd told me I could be this free, I never would have believed you. Why? Because sometimes you need people to walk with you on your journey. Don't let your past decide your future. Here's number three. Don't let others' opinion of you determine your possibilities. Don't let what everybody thinks about you. Have they told you you're not going to amount to much? You're not going to be any good? Well, that's a good opinion. Or it's an opinion. Let me read Acts 9 again about the great apostle Paul. He's then called Saul. It says, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he went to church. He tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. And didn't believe he was really a disciple. Huh? Can you imagine coming to church and no one wants to say hello? Well, so turn around to someone and tell two people you're, you're great. And no one comes up to you? Nobody? And not just because you don't smell good. Just because they all, because they don't know you, it's because they do know you. And they're all going, we ain't going near that guy because we reckon he's just pretending. Verse 27, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. 
You know, this guy comes to Jerusalem and nobody believes in him. Everyone's opinion of him is a negative one. Nobody thinks he'll ever amount to anything. One person saw the gold where only everybody else saw the dirt. I hope you're a gold-finding kind of a person and not a dirt-finding kind of person. I hope if you're on social media that you decide my social media will be an encouragement to people, not a tear them up, rip them down and tell them what's wrong with the universe kind of. We really don't need any more Christians doing that, thank you. There's a few of them a corner of the market and let's leave them, have it all to them little selves, amen? Uh, huh? Because Barnabas is the son of encouragement. That's what his name means. And the son of encouragement gets one guy and goes, I can see stuff in you that nobody else can. They all look at the outside. Are you with me here? Come on. Listen, if you're a parent here, one of the biggest deals for parents is to be able to see the potential of their children and not everything they do wrong. Huh? If you haven't worked out yet, nagging never works. Huh? Sit up straight. Chew with your mouth, guys. Huh? It doesn't seem to work real well. Find a better way. My children have never, ever been called stupid. My children have never, ever been called useless. My children have never been called bad because we just don't use that language. Now, they've been naughty, but that's not the language. We'd say, you're amazing. You're beautiful. Come here, beautiful. Oh, you're so incredible. What a brilliant person you are. If you speak great words like Barnabas did, you'll end up finding, listen, you'll end up finding a soul somewhere that God wants to use. Amen? How many of you just go, oh, that sounds a bit wussy? How many of you go, no, I think that sounds actually pretty powerful? I wonder if they're not at work next year. I always think it's quite funny. Some of the people I've personally led to Jesus have been people that I thought would never come. Ever. Ever. I was going, that's the last person who will ever say yes to Jesus. Only to find out that they were ready for him. And thank God I didn't allow my my what I saw or what I thought, to determine their possibilities in life. Here's number four. Don't let your current capacity predict your future achievements. Don't let your current capacity. What you've been able to do up until now, Judges chapter 6 and verse 15, is the story of Gideon. I'm not going to give you the whole thing because some of you here know that when we get to heaven, there's going to be a, a little line of people that are going to come up and say, thank God you're here and you'll now shut up to stop talking about me. Uh, Gideon will be one of them for sure. But Gideon said this in Judges chapter 6, verse 15. He says, how can I save Israel? My clan's the weakest in Manasseh. I'm the least in my father's house. In other words, he goes, I know what I'm capable of. I know my capacity. And yet, thank God, God got through to him and he got to understand that his current capacity wasn't his future capacity. David was a keeper of the sheep, which was such a, listen, I've looked after sheep. My brother-in-law and sister have a sheep and wheat and cattle property out in the west of Queensland. You go around the sheep and you round up the sheep and the sheep are the sheep and the sheep just be sheep and they just do sheep stuff. It's not like you can have a big conversation, you know, hello, how are you today? How are you going? Ha! Ah! And you laugh at it and they're just going, meh. And, uh, you know... You, you kind of, I just want to see whether or not, you see, that's a farm. You've got to be a farmer to know that one, whether or not. Uh, 
And you, I'm not trying to ram it down your throat. Woo, I'm on fire. You can do all that. I've talked to the sheep and the sheep just, I think I'll go and jump over something that's not there. Oh, you want me to go that direction? Let me turn around the other way. I'll go that way. David's out there looking after sheep. You know what you've got to do to look after sheep? Sit. No wonder he taught himself the guitar. D. G. He was terrible at first, but he got to be really good because there's nothing else to do. His smartphone wouldn't work. He had no reception. He's just all, all the way out there. Nothing's going on. He's out there. And finally comes the big moment where dad says to him, son, I've got a very important job for you. He goes, oh, praise God, I'm ready. I've been out there, I've been seeking, I've been seeking God, I'm ready, Dad. Oh, Lord, use me. And oh, Lord, don't refuse me. Surely there's a work that I can do. Even though it's humble, help my will to crumble. Though the cost be great, I'll work for you. And the dad says, good. I want you to take these cheese and this bread up to your brothers at the front line. So get your little Uber Eats pack on the back, get on your bicycle, and off you go. And David, the delivery boy, the sheep minder, goes up there. Imagine what would have happened if he'd seen Goliath and said, oh, I can't do anything. I'm just a little sheep minder. How is that? Oh, I can't do that. I'm an Uber Eats driver. I can never do anything great. But he didn't let his current capacity predict his future capacity and what he was capable of doing. Here's number five. There's only six, so we're coming into land. Number five is this. Don't let the size of your opposition tell you who you are and what you can do. These all sound so easy. And you know when you preach them, they're just as easy as pie. But I've lived every one of these and I know what it's like to have the giants I've faced start telling me I'm not going to make it. Start telling me I'm not going to win. Start telling me that I'm not as good as I think I am. Start telling me that I'm not as anointed or as called or as blessed or as strong. And I've had all that stuff at some point or other in my life and I guess most of you have. David had that, 1 Samuel 17, verse 43, the Philistine. Goliath said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? The Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me, I'll tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. He said, that's what's going to happen here. But you know what? David had giant deafness. Come on, some of you here in this place, you need to get Holy Spirit deafness to your giant. Because some of you here have been listening to it for so long, you actually know the next word that's going to come out of its mouth. Huh? You've been listening to it for so long, you know what it sounds like. Oh, that's my giant calling me. Here we go again. And I'm believing tonight for God, the Holy Spirit, to come and go, that's enough of that. Stop that. Come on. Stop that in Jesus' name. Some of you here, come on, you just really need to go, enough. I've been listening to that thing. You know, the Bible says they listened to Goliath for 40 days. He came out and said the same thing. 
every day for 40 days. 40 days is a long time. That's over a month every single day. Scientists, psychologists tell us it takes 21 days to form a habit. Do you know the habit they formed in their 40 days? They formed the habit of running away and they formed the habit of being afraid. And it took somebody who didn't allow his current capacity to predict his future achievements. It took that for somebody to finally defeat that guy. But he went out there going, I don't care what you say, I'm not listening. I've got, come on, because some of you here, you know, your mother had that sickness and the giant of infirmity says you're going to get it. Come on, I'm not, I'm not here to give you a fancy little pretty message. I'm here to speak to, to things, to, to devils that are, have been coming around people's minds. You know, depression runs through your family. Well, why are you going to keep on letting the giant? Some of you, it's not been 40 days, it's 40 years. Some of you here, it's 40 months, it's 40 weeks. That thing goes on and on and on and keeps telling you what it's going to, it's telling you what you are going to have and what's going to happen to you. And you've never stood up and said, hold a second here. I've got a second opinion. Let me tell you what God has told me. Let me tell you the way this is going to work out. Because you come to me with sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And he's going to give you to me this day. And all of Israel is going to see that there is a God in our nation who brings victory. Sometimes we got to stand up and say enough in Jesus' name. Sometimes we got to say, can we just, can we agree on that tonight? Come on, some of you, I, I know some of you here just need to say enough. I've listened to it long enough. It's been going on around about my world for so long. I've listened to this thing and listened to it. And some of you, come on, some of you here, it's mental illness. It's, and that just keeps telling you, yeah, that's the track you'll go on. Some of you here, it's business. You, you go, no one in my family's ever succeeded. How long, how long? I know what I'm, what I'm saying right now is piercing things right now and things that don't like it because they, they don't want you to walk free of it. They want you to keep going out day after day, listening to the giant, looking at the giant saying, oh, yeah, too hard. Walk away. Don't let the size of your opposition tell you who you are. Don't let the size of your opposition tell you what you can do. Here's number six, the last one. Don't let yesterday's failures prophesy tomorrow's opportunities. I'll read them to you again. Don't let your design become your limitation. Don't let your past decide your future. Don't let others' opinion of you tell you what your possibilities are going to be. Don't let your current capacity predict your future achievements. Don't let the size of your opposition tell you who you are or what you can do. Sixthly, don't let yesterday's failures prophesy to you about what opportunities can come your way. Peter is a great apostle and, you know, the, some churches celebrate him as the founder of the church. Well, actually, the founder of the church is Jesus. Jesus said upon this rock, and he wasn't talking about Peter, he's talking about a revelation. I'll build my church. But whichever way, Peter was still a great apostle. He opened the door to the Jews on the day of Pentecost. He opened up the door to the Gentiles at the house of Cornelius. Without him, the gospel would have always been hidden in a small group. But he opened up the door. And yet he's the very same leader, follower of Christ, for three and a half years. Handed out the 
five loaves and two fish and fed 5,000 people. In his very hands, he held the basket. And every time he handed a bit out, he saw the basket get full again. He's the same guy who saw Jesus calm with the gathering demoniac, a man possessed of thousands of demons. And he, he was there. They cowered behind Jesus. They saw Jesus go up with authority and then saw the man come and bow in front of him. He walked on water. But when Christ is on trial, he denies Jesus before a little servant girl. Yet he's the one that God chose to preach. Isn't that interesting? Could have picked John. Could have picked Andrew or anyone. Could have picked Nathaniel, the one in whom Jesus said there's no guile. Could have picked him, but who's he picked? He picks the biggest failure of the bunch. I, I don't think that's an accident. I think God did it on purpose. Because I think God wanted to say to every one of us, have you failed? Yep. Of course you have. Does that say what your future looks like? No. Yesterday's failures. Do not prophesy tomorrow's opportunities in our life. In Jesus' name. I'm going to finish by reading you an extraordinary passage of Scripture. It's not going to be up on the screen. But I want to read it to you. Because I felt that tonight, in a minute we'll pray, but some of you here where things need to stop. To be honest, some of you here have got to stop them. Tonight will be the turning point, but perhaps you need to start saying to your giant, I've had enough of that. That's not going to keep driving my life. That's not going to keep moving my life. That's not going to keep dominating me. That thing, that obsessive th thought pattern that keeps on pushing me and pushing me until eventually I give in. Addictions to gambling or to whatever else it may be in your, in your life. Some of you here tonight are going to go, that's it. I've had enough. And I'm going to start telling the giant, you've got no place in me. You've got no room in my life anymore in the name of Jesus. Some of you here, it's going to be the start of things that are new because I felt the Lord say to me that in this place tonight, there were people here and he wants to open up things that you have put away and forgotten. Things that you've buried. Things that you just go, you know what? That'll never happen. No, I, dream, I believed it once, but not anymore. Let me read this to you. This is extraordinary. This is out of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. Verse 50 says, And Jesus cried again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Not bottom to top like a person would do it, but God did it from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. And the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep, who had died, were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. I don't know what you think about that, but I know what I think about it. I think God sent so much power to that tomb that they laid Jesus' dead body in. I think he sent so much power into that tomb. It just went, wow, and overflowed into the cemetery roundabout. I think he sent so much power that everything dead within a radius just came back to life. It just went, wow, and came alive in Jesus' name. 
The resurrection of Jesus wasn't about resurrecting one person's purpose. It was about resurrecting everyone's purpose. He wants to resurrect yours tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Team, please come. Just stand with me a minute if you would. We're just going to love God together. Honour Him in this place. Just while the heads are bowed, eyes are closed, take a moment here because we're here to allow God to do something great in our life. Maybe you're here tonight. Just give me a bit more light. Thanks in the auditorium. Because maybe you're here tonight and you go, Pastor, what you said is just me. There have been giants talking to me for so long. This is going to happen to you. You're not going to get this. They've been telling me. And tonight I know the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and saying, when are you going to talk? When are you going to speak to it? When are you going to stand up to that, that giant of fear? Oh, you don't understand. My families they're all like that. Really? All of Israel fled before the giant until one man stood up and said, enough's enough. Enough's enough. And he won the battle that day. Just while the heads about eyes are closed, if that's you, I want to pray for you right where you are. You say, tonight, Pastor, I'm going to go out of here. and Tonight's my night to say to the giant, this ends tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, I see hands going up all over the building. All over the building, hands are going up. We're not looking around because it's not about what someone else does. It's about what you do. I see hands up everywhere, all over the place. Hold them up a minute. Hold them up. You, you're a, you can hold it up for a second. Thank you, 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 thank you. Lots of them. Come on. Come on. Some of you here, it's not some terrible big problem. It's just intimidation. You know what I mean? It's not like some bad, horrible thing you do. Maybe it is for some, but for most of you, it's just the devil just trying to keep you, a little, you know, like on a leash. Let you go out a little bit, but just not very far. If that's you, hold them up as we pray. We're in your presence. That means we're in your space, your environment. We're in the arena where you work. We've brought ourselves here. In this place, we never came to church. We came into your presence. I love your house, the place where your glory dwells. So God, there's people here. Some of them have been tormented day after day. Same devil telling them they're not going to, and this is what will happen. There's people here in this place, and I, you know, the devil's told you you're going to die the same thing other people in your family have died of. In Jesus' name, we cut off every lie of the devil, every work, every utterance that he's spoken. Lord, for some people, it's been 40 years, 20 years, 10 years, 5 years since they were a teenager, since that thing happened back there when they were badly treated and ever since then they've the giant has said it's going to happen again you better be careful this is going to be your world and God I thank you tonight in Jesus name that you loosen every captive in the name of Jesus set them free set them free set them free if you raise your hand that's a lot of you I want you to say after me enough's enough it stops tonight. Devil, you're finished. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name.
in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's worship God for a minute. We're not quite finished. Stay with us a few more minutes. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing how great is our God. Come on. If you raised your hand, I want you to imagine yourself in front of that thing that's spoken to you. You go, you know what? Let me tell you how great my God is. You come to me with sword and spear. You come to me with depression and oppression, with obsession. And I come with the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all our sin and redeems our life. I left everything I knew to follow what I believe God was telling me to do. And I'm 19, I'm living in this flat and I'm all alone. There's cockroaches flying everywhere, literally flying everywhere. It wasn't a happy place. I remember feeling, actually, honestly, afraid. Like in a way I'd never felt afraid before. I go, what am I going to do? There was nobody to call. There's no one who was living there with me. Do you know what I did? I went around the walls of that flat and I banged my hand on every wall and I began to say, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I don't know that, that my hand on the wall changed the flat. I do know that my standing up and speaking did something. And some of you tonight, you need to go home, get all by yourself and you need to go, I'm going to speak to this. It's enough, it's enough in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. One more thing we want to do just quickly. Because I also believe there's some of you here, and I know this, I I see it. Don't ask me how I say that. I just know what I know that I know that I know what I've been been doing this long enough. I know what I know that I know. And and I know I see people here. It's like, it's almost like graves opening up and people going, wow, looking at a cupboard going, ooh, I haven't seen that for a long time. And, and reaching in and taking out things that were gifts to them and tools for them, weapons for them, resources for them. You put them away in a cupboard. Some of you here, you did it because somebody offended you. Some of you here, you did it because someone told you, like 1 Samuel 17, verse 28, Eliab, David's eldest brother, said, I know the naughtiness of your heart. You've just come down to see the battle. Think about that. The people closest to him tried to turn him off his destiny. Maybe that's what happened to you. Somebody said, don't even think about it. Don't be stupid. Maybe you tried, you stepped out and they mocked you. Peter walked on water and failed. But at least he tried. So come on, some of you here tonight in Jesus' name, 
I want you, if that's you, I want you to reach your hands up to heaven and say, Lord, I'm ready to do it again. I'm ready to trust you again. I'm ready to let you use me again. God, I'm going to give it. Come on, if that's you, just hold them up. Come on. Hands again are going up all over the place. Why? Because this is a word from God. Come on. This is the word I see something of you. It's like, wow. It's like, wow. And people are going to say to you, what happened to you this week? You go, I found freedom in Jesus' name. I, I, I went to church. God t- did something powerful in my life. Father, thank you for every person that's got their hands up in Jesus' name. We stand together in the name of Jesus. We are not individuals turning up to a meeting hall. But Lord, we are a church family. We are called out ones. We belong in this space. We belong in you and your house. Thank you for it. God, every hand that's raised in the name of Jesus, every hand that's raised, I say open in Jesus' name. I say to their resources and their gifts, come forth in the name of Jesus. People up on the platform, Lord, let it come forth in the name of Jesus. Let the things that they put away, the songwriting talent that people have gone, well, you know, I wrote a song, didn't think much of it. Don't put back into the cupboard what God gifted you to bring out into the light. Don't leave it in the, in the dust where the spiders just build their webs over it. But start to believe again in the name of Jesus. Start to believe again in Jesus' name. Start to believe again in Jesus' name. I'm going to step out. Some of you here, God's called you to prophesy. And you're just sitting back there going, well, yeah, but you know, I don't know if I'm right. Well, why don't you just go say, God, I'm going to step out. Go see Pastor Bruce or someone at the Connect Up and say, let me, can I be trained? Can I grow in Jesus' name? Help us, Lord, every one of us, myself included, to not put back in the cupboard what you gave us to wear in public, what you adorned us with, what you put on us. We want to wear it proudly and say that I got that from God. So, God, we stand in that space with you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. How great is that, God? Come on, sing it one more time. How great. Is how God people here that come on up here Jeremy a bunch of people here that probably need to come and talk to you about 
serving in creative arts because that's their thing that they've had in the cupboard, all right? So how would they, what would they do? Because it's one thing to stand with their hands in the air and pray, and we love that. But I want to make sure that everyone goes there to go, I, I can do something here. Just tell everyone. There's a lot of ways to. The easiest, if you have time now, is to see myself or Leanne, who's playing keyboard. She's our wonderful administrator of creative arts and takes care of the whole uh, team. There's another way, if you don't have time to stay today, you can go online. We have a tab called Serve, and a tick box for creative arts. And there's three or four different boxes you can tick and send a reply, and I immediately get it in my inbox. And Tuesday morning, roundabout, you'll get a response so we can get you plugged in. Uh, we have something else for Tuesday night. Most Tuesday nights we have a rehearsal, and we do a lot more than just go through practicing songs. It's a time of ministry a time of bonding together as a team. It's kind of a connect group, really. And so if you're musically gifted, you're welcome to come. And that starts at 7.15 p.m. every Tuesday. So there you go. This Tuesday we'll have it, yep. That'd be welcome. That'd be great. Thank you, Jeremy. Some of you here, maybe you might feel like there's other areas of ministry. I'll put Maria on the spot here. Uh, but just if you're around for a little bit after this, go there or, or you can go to the Connect Hub and uh, you can chat to someone and say, what other ways could I take what I've had in the cupboard out of Listen, I, I never preach fancy messages. I don't know that I know any. But I always think God wants to say something. And I, I'm always careful about it because if God says something, I want to make sure I activate it. Amen. So I'd encourage you. Some of you don't need any of that. Others of you do. Maybe you're new. Thank you for being here with us tonight. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Jeff, this whole thing is so strange. I don't know. Maybe you grew up in a church home or a non-church home. That'd be a lot, a story for a lot of people. You go, how do I start? Like you talk about Jesus like you know him. You all sing about Jesus like you know him. I go, well, actually, yeah. Because that's actually what we think it's all about. We don't think it's about religion. We think it's about someone called Christ. Well, how do I get started? The easiest thing. We'd love to help you talk to someone. Here's the big deal. Listen to me. I know we're all a little bit more cautious nowadays. 2019, we're all a bit like, I don't want to get caught. But if you'll chat to somebody, you can get started by simply yes texting. Text yes, Y-E-S, to 0488826392. If you do that tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. or the day after you do it at 7 a.m., you will get a scripture and a prayer fits on one screen of your smartphone. So many people have said to us that every morning was like God spoke to them. We do it, comes from within our church. It's not overseas. It's not, you know, whoever you're worried about. It's us. And we want to help you grow. That goes for 30 days. You can opt out whenever you like, but it goes for 30 days. And if you say yes to Christ, let me pray for you. Just one last thing before we go. If that's you, make this prayer yours. Just say this to Jesus right now. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I really need you. And I really want you in my life. Come in now. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Let's give whoever those people are just a big hand. Say, well done. Ah, how beautiful.